0: Jeff Andrew of Time Out says this movie is far from sophisticated in its satire of narcissism, but enormous fun. Matt Ford of BBC.com says it's a clumsy but nonetheless amusing satire on the desperation of the beauty-obsessed movie industry. And Letterboxd user slash TV writer Demi Adijoibe says I think it's messy and honestly probably a little sexist but I also think it kicks ass. Bodies and beauty and aging are all simultaneously goofy and horrific, and it's fun to see a movie make... And it's fun to see a movie make that so explicit. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Death Becomes Her.
1: Re, re, reboot. Which one will it be? It's the ruined childhood
0: podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. I'm trying to tell if you're doing like a voice that has anything to do with the movie because you do that sometimes, and I'm not getting anything from this one.
2: I think it was it was a bit of a Madeline Ashton vibe.
0: Okay, okay, going to it.
2: Kind of that that husky, kind of like if Kathleen Turner had played Madeline Ashton, which could have happened. Mind Maybe. blown that just popped into my head, yeah. but um, yeah. Anyway, we're putting we're putting
0: the cart before the Meryl Streep. All right, <laughs> welcome to ruin childhoods, everybody. I want to thank. Eric Gosselin, our guest on the last episode of the podcast. That was a lot of fun. I still yes. can't wash the taste of Tango and Cash out of my mouth, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> the, the 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 shiny, sweaty, salty the musk.
2: taste. The steel, <laughs> the grenade steel <sighs> tang in your mouth. Uh, yeah. Man, Tango and Cash is just so much fun, though, and... Uh, it was like, for me, that's always one that's kind of on the back burner. As like, mm-hmm. I I know if I put that on, I'm gonna enjoy it. Like if I, that's not one that I'm gonna put on and like turn off after 15 minutes yeah. of being like, eh, not in the mood. Because it really has, it's got the comedy, it's got the action. Oh, it's got shiny, shiny biceps and bare pecs and and butts. Uh, Butts and you know in in
0: in many ways yeah um ahead of its time <laughs> and it was such a surprise that that movie was eric's sexual awakening <laughs> we, i feel like we've tapped into something because
2: um when we talked to gabris for uh double impact that was kind of his sexual awakening that is true Oh, what man. is it with our guests and I mean we don't have any guests today uh, I mean i i I will get this out of the way death becomes her was not my sexual awakening in terms of a film
0: um yeah I but we'll we'll talk a little bit about what this movie does did do for, for people in, in a very surprising and I'm- unexpected way.
2: And sp- surprising and unexpected, I had no, I, you know, th- this just happened to come up because we're, you know, uh, talking about Eric's connection to Tango and Cash and Gabrus's connection to Double Impact. Is there, and this is getting a little personal and we're brothers, so weird question, <laughs> but like, is there a movie that you can can kind of tie to a uh, a a sexual awakening, a if moment you will, of awakening a of age. Yes, I,
0: n- none that none that stick out to me. I I'd say that certainly Eric v- distinctly remembers having a moment while watching Tango and Cash. I can't say that I have any situation like that,
2: but I will be honest here, and and because it's now come up twice on the podcast, and yeah. I was just like. You know what, I think I do, and I, I would say for me, Cry Baby, John Waters' Cry Baby. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because, like, I, I think I was, uh you know, I must have been around, like, 13, like, 12, 13 yeah. when I saw it. Uh, I think that one came out in, in 1990, and um, first of all, uh, you know, Amy Locaine, who we've talked about uh-huh. before from School Ties, you know, um, she just had this, this, like, kind of um, sexiness about her, and there was that, there's that one scene when he, like, teaches her how to French kiss,
0: oh. and
2: when you're, <laughs> I mean, when you're like, when you're like, I've never done that before, but this is something that's been, that it's on my bucket list, you know, uh, oh. <laughs> to, to there we list. go um and uh, you know like this is fascinating so i i would say if i connect a movie to uh, you know to that to sexual awakening i'm so and and i mean no offense to eric or or john but um I, I'm very grateful that it's not an, an action movie, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And uh, yeah. So John, and I think John Waters would appreciate that. So uh, I think
0: so too. I think yes. so too. I, uh, so speaking of, you know, fringy filmmakers and fringy films, I, uh, I do have some, uh, some reboot news. This is going to come a little late because we're recording this one well in advance, just because we're taking advantage of some time flexibility that we have. Spring but, break. Uh, Woo. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I did see that, um, the toxic Avenger reboot, speaking of the fringe, uh, it just added Jacob Tremblay to the cast, which I'm a Tremblaniac, So I'm all about it. When it Are, comes to like on the little floor. kid actors, You're a, a Tremblaniac, you know on the floor. it. I, yeah. You know it. So, uh, so far, we know it's Tremblay, like you've never
2: Tremblayed before.
0: <laughs> Tremblay and uh, Peter Dinklage. So, so far, great cast for the Toxic Avenger reboot. Wow. Yeah.
2: Um. I wonder if this is just going to kind of take the. Uh, you know, just the premise of the, how much of a remake it's going to be and how much it's going to be like, let's take the premise of the original and we're going to create it, create new characters, create a new world. I mean, I, I, I would think you'd have to keep it set in New Jersey.
0: Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll have to just wait and see. All you due know, respect when, to
2: the motherland, but it, When you they know. did
0: um, the Toxic Crusader television cartoon series, they certainly built on that universe and you know changed the 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 main character a little bit and they added some additional very strange characters to it so i wonder if they're gonna to draw from that or have any nods to the toxic crusader series that i definitely watched when i was a kid (laughs) oh yeah there are some like moments from it I, i can't even describe them but like images from that show that are like burned into my brain I mean I guess maybe perhaps that was your awakening. Was, it wasn't. Uh, so we're yeah. not going to try and like reach for something here it's just not there. Oh uh, I'm just saying the why yeah. you know uh But so, I'm really that, excited.
2: What's up? I was curious No I was I was curious to see if Mitch Cohen who played the Toxic Avenger originally was uh was going to be the appearing.
0: Voice?
2: Mitch Mitch Cohen not to be confused with the Eugene Levy character. Of, uh, in a mighty oh, Wind, Mitch, and Mickey. Mitch Cohen. So <laughs> yes, but Mitch Cohen, uh, played toxic Avenger, I think all the way through, uh, citizen Toxie toxic yeah. Avenger four in 2000. So yeah, I, I don't know. It would be, I, I would hope that, you know, I always like when there's some involvement, when you're honoring the legacy of a classic, um, you know, whether it's a cult classic or, you know, a mainstream classic,
0: If there is not a Lloyd Kaufman cameo, I'll be very surprised.
2: No, what was I watching recently? I feel like there was something recently where there was a Lloyd Kaufman cameo. I don't know if it was something I was watching or something that was referenced, but weird. Weird.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm very exciting. I'm very exciting. I'm very excited to be talking about... I am. Hey, thanks. I'm very excited to be talking about Death Becomes Her today. And it gave me an opportunity to rewatch this movie that I hadn't seen in so long. And um, man, what a trip. It's funny because, you know, I probably haven't seen this since around the time it was out. Maybe at the latest Mm mid-90s. And, you know, I remember it as being... uh, More of I think what people think of when they think about this movie, more of that like middle section where Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep are fighting each other and just kind of falling apart and getting twisted and turned and stuff like that, and uh, forgotten about so much of what this movie is. Yeah,
2: uh, there's a lot more to it, and it's you know this is a movie that came out. In summer 92, I think it came out like late July 92. I saw it. I want to say I saw it. Um, the, it was the last day of, of summer vacation. So <laughs> it must, cause I feel like I remember being like, okay, last day I can, you know, go on a, I don't know Tuesday and catch the matinee uh, <laughs> at the Cranford Twin. Uh, yep. So it it must have still been playing. Death, Be- I think it was like Death Becomes Her, and in like Digstown might have been. If <laughs> if I had to wager money on the other movie that was playing there, it, it would. I would, I would wager
0: Digstown, but uh-huh. um, it was very- uh, it was released the same weekend as <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Bebe's Kids. Bebe's Kids, which I saw at a friend's uh, birthday party movie. You they know, don't die; they multiply. I, which I have was.
2: Not, I've never seen yeah. that actually.
0: Uh, Robin Harris. It's very good. You know, it's 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 not a kids movie. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, um, you know, it probably was like a friend's like 10th birthday or something. And yeah, <laughs> I remember oh, it was I my friend. I thought you meant
2: like in your 20s. I thought you were no, like, yeah, no, 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 friend, friend, like, no, no, no. It all was, got
0: wasted watched it was, in. Uh, shout out to childhood friend Paul Marmo, It was for his birthday that that opening weekend we saw it. But nice. um, okay. yeah, I, Death Becomes Her open number one at the box office. And, uh, yeah, beating out Buffy and Bebe.
2: Yeah, so I must have seen it. I must have seen it, like, you know, definitely later in the summer. I have, I have a very strong memory of it being the last day before the the start of the new school year. So I imagine it had some
0: staying power. And it just, But I feel like, August August like it's 90s... It says a lot about our family that... <laughs> the day the last day of freedom before having to go back to school you know one of us would choose to sit in a movie theater for two hours and not be outside enjoying like a summer day i mean if it was raining that's a different story but like you know
2: at that point though how many summer days had had there already been you know too many
0: get me yeah. in a movie theater.
2: It was we're talking like late August, early September. It's humid, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, like, yeah that's true. That's true. I'm New Jersey. Sit, I and I by the way, like rode my bike to the movie theater. So you earned it. Yes. I'm pretty sure that one, I like rode my bike to, Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. Cause like 15 minutes of riding your bike equals, you know, whatever balances out two hours of sitting in a movie theater and eating like Twizzlers or some shit. And
0: yeah, (laughs) watching Goldie Hawn and
2: Meryl Streep go at each other.
0: Are Twizzlers your preferred movie theater snack, or maybe even as just a child preferred movie theater snack? We Twizzlers, never talk about this kind of thing. We don't.
2: No. Um. uh In fact, Twizzlers were probably the longest standing. Um. But like, I would get a big bag. I'd get like a big bag, and I would share it if I was going with people. But like, I ate seventy five percent of that. Yeah. Bag. <laughs> um. I definitely like. I Twizzlers were were probably the longest standing movie snack. And, um, yeah, I would say that these days it, it's more of a, like, if anything, popcorn.
0: I, I think that when I was younger, I was more of like an M&M's kid. And, mm. I in my, and I never was really a popcorn person up until a few years ago, I started getting into doing uh, popcorn at movies And, um, it's like the kind of thing where it's like, it always starts off great. And then once I get like 50% through, I'm like, uh, now I have to deal with this bag or bucket of, you know, weird kernels and who knows, you know, the, the drudges of the, uh, of the popcorn experience. It's a major test. If, if I can leave that,
2: like that extra 50% or, um, You know, if I'm sharing with with Alicia, my wife, uh, which is usually the case, you know, it might get a little bit lower than that. But still, it's like it's a major test of willpower to not just kind of continuously grab, uh, especially because I feel like a lot of these like, you know, and and I just I haven't been to a movie theater in. Uh, well, the last time I went to a movie theater was uh, when we saw yeah. 1917 in Elmo Draft House in Animal Austin. Draft House, yeah. So, um, but that's I think I saw Birds of, of Prey after that. Yeah. Now, 1917, 1917. 1917 was was definitely my last uh, theatrical film. Before that, uh, I believe was uh, Bad Boys for Life.
0: And and I have to say, our experience—we're uh, talking about eating at the movies. When you're at the Alamo Draft oh. House, you don't get popcorn. You don't get Twizzlers. Uh, I believe that there were fried pickles involved, and I think then I we, had a Bon Me sandwich. Yes. It's a whole thing. But, but uh, you, and there's nothing like popcorn. there's nothing like watching a, a World War One epic drama. That you know nothing enhances that experience than a Bon Me sandwich. And fried pickles. I mean, I'd, it wasn't a Vietnam War film, so uh, that would have That been... is true.
2: That is true. Although, I mean, I, f- I feel like that might have been like that would be the respectful move to make.
0: I, um, you know, I, I don't, don't know. know. I think that I would avoid taking that, that risk. But I'd say anyway. that for Death Becomes Her, the proper movie theater snack would probably be a giant can of frosting. <laughs> oh, I think it's oh the only God. thing that anybody eats in this movie.
2: That, yeah, I mean, that's, and that, well, I think that's just, like, one scene, but my God, it's just grotesque. It's graphic. Yeah. It is, it is, it's probably the thing, like, of all of the, like, you know, bloody, gaping holes in people that, that we see, and all the things that happen, like, like, just Goldie Hawn, like, doing a two-finger dip into that frosting can. Oh, Oh, yeah. my
0: God. Yeah. Wow. As she's watching, uh. Uh, a movie where her nemesis is being strangled. Well, oh. you know what? It, why don't we? Why don't we get to the? Let's so shall let's we synopsize? About, we're in. It's it's August.
2: It's late August, early September, nineteen ninety two. I, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting rest from being out in, in the outdoors for for a good twenty minutes, and <laughs> settling in to watch Death becomes her. John, what am I seeing for the next uh, about two hours? <laughs> A it's bit less what every <laughs> little
0: kid is so fascinated by. Aging actress Madeline Ashton is as vain as they come, and when she meets famed plastic surgeon Dr. Ernest Menville, she knows that she must have him. This is a bonus because he happens to be engaged to her longtime frenemy, Helen Sharp, from whom Madeline has stolen two other boyfriends. Years after Ernest and Madeline are married, Helen is fixated on the idea of killing Madeline as she falls deeper and deeper into depression. Years into their broken marriage, Madeline and Ernest are invited to a book premiere party for none other than Helen Sharp. Expecting to see Helen looking large and sad, they see Helen more gorgeous than ever. Knowing that she must make a drastic change, Madeline finds the answer to her problems. Liesel von Rumen, the keeper of a potion that makes you immortal and ageless. While she is taking the potion, Helen is with Ernest, planning to murder Madeline, who has been cruel and merciless to both Helen and Ernest for years. When Madeline arrives home with her new and improved appearance, she and Ernest begin to have it out, resulting in Madeline pushing Ernest over the edge to the point that he literally pushes her over the edge of the stairs, that is. Ernest immediately calls Helen to tell her about what happened as Madeline lies mangled beyond repair at the bottom of the steps. As he and Helen speak, Madeline puts herself back together and confronts Ernest, her head all the way turned around 180 degrees. They rush to the hospital where the doctor is puzzled. Madeline feels no pain and has no pulse. Left unattended by the doctor and Ernest, she is zipped up in a body bag after fainting and taken to the morgue. Ernest finds her and they head home. Waiting for them is Helen, who is shot in the gut by Madeline. With a hole inside of her the size of a basketball, Helen gets back up. She and Madeline work out their past grudges with shovels and realize they both have seen Liesel. Ernest has had enough and decides to peace out for good, but Helen and Madeline convince him to patch them up first, as he has spent the past several years fixing up dead bodies' appearances at the Forest Lawn Cemetery. They soon realize that they'll need him to do this for the rest of time, so they bring him to Liesel's mansion just in time for her annual client party, featuring the likes of Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, and Jim Morrison. He refuses to take the potion and attempts to flee the scene. He manages to get it unscathed as Helen and Madeline face an eternity of literally falling apart. (laughs) So... Uh, Madeline is played by Meryl Streep. Bruce Willis plays Ernest Menville. Goldie Hawn plays Helen. Isabella Rossellini is Liesel. Um we have uh, special appearances by Sidney Pollock, uh, who plays The Doctor. Um Fabio is one of Lisel's bodyguards. Deborah Joe Rupp is in there a little bit. <laughs> um yeah, she's so, in the uh, the
2: the clinic scene the clinic. when uh, when Goldie Hawn is is in the, the group therapy scene, right. also with um, Elena. Oh, what's her last name? Um, she was Olivia on Sesame Street, and she was on Two Two Seven. Elena Reed Hall. Yes, Elena Reed Hall, um, yeah. who uh, you know pops up as as like the least effective therapist ever. Yeah, I know. Uh, She just, like, yells. She's like, like, stop
0: talking about this person, blah, 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 blah.
2: She's like, you won't shut up. You haven't lost a pound. And I'm like, ooh. Like, this is yeah, death therapy. Um,
0: Death therapy.
2: So, oh, while we're talking about the casting. All right. So, first of all, like, Isabella Rossellini... I remember even uh, had I not already had my um awakening, <laughs> awakening. with Crybaby <laughs> Isabella Rossellini in this
0: movie would have would have certainly uh been it. Um Yeah, she's only ever wearing like this giant bejeweled necklace that's and a barely <laughs> covering anything and a sarong and uh, she wears she's them well. She's so
2: perfect. She's, she's so wonderful. perfect.
0: Um, it was hard to,
2: to watch her and not for a moment. Think of, of, uh, her mother, Ingrid Bergman, uh, who, you know, after watching her not too long ago at Gaslight. Um, but Isabella Rossellini, it's like, ah, she, she has, there's a quality that she has that I can't think of many other actors at this, at the moment, I can't think of any other actresses who have it. And, um, it's, it's this combination of uh, it's like, she's a raw nerve. And I think more of like Isabella Rossellini in blue velvet, um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially as, as her, her character kind of unravels in that here, she kind of stays in one place. I I mean, until the end when she's, you know, convincing uh, Ernest to take the potion or trying to, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, let's
0: listen to that. Let's listen to that moment really quick. That's what you do. This
1: is what you've always done. Stop time in people's faces and in their hands. You are like Don Quixote, tilting at nature's windmill. Drink it. Go on. It is the completion of your life's work. You gave other people youth and wasted your own. Drink, and you'll be able to work again forever. Drink. Drink, Dr. Menville. You owe yourself another chance. Drink. It's the right choice. The only choice. Drink. Live forever!
2: She's so good. You know who... Only other name that comes to mind is Angelina Jolie.
0: Yeah, and but there's something not about... Not to the extent. Not
2: yeah, to the Yeah, there's something extent.
0: about Isabella Rossellini that, like... I don't know. I think that because she makes interesting acting choices, like Blue Velvet, you know, there, it keeps her in this, like this place of you know misterioso that like Angelina Jolie has gone so mainstream that I think right. that and she's so public that I think that you kind of you would kind of lose it a little bit I, you know it definitely makes you think of Angelina Jolie's Billy Bob Thornton era with the like vials of oh, blood the and vial stuff of like blood. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird. But, uh, certainly, certainly not pushing as time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, odd little movie. Yeah. Uh, and also Bruce Willis is so good in this. I love now, seeing him do these types of roles
2: now. And of course in, in 1992, this is, uh, this is, I guess it's kind of against type for Bruce Willis. I think Bruce Willis doing uh, Moonlighting yeah. really kind of helped people see him in, you know, like where he could cross over much more easily than like a, a Stallone who, by the this, like, and... What brings this to mind is I was watching uh, Godfather <laughs> 3, the rec- the Coppola recut oh, of Godfather mm-hmm. 3, and I was reading some trivia on it and saw that Sylvester Stallone w- almost played uh, the the role that I think uh, Andy Garcia huh. ended up playing. And I was like, that would have just been like, no matter how good and like still I love Copland. Um, you know Oscar things like that, but Stallone in a Godfather movie,
0: it, it just he
2: couldn't cross over. Whereas like Bruce Willis has done those crossovers. I mean, in 1992, Billy Bathgate, um, yeah, was that year or the year before?
0: Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, Bonfire of the Vanities, not the really, that really getting <laughs> a start well. with Moonlight, which was a comedy. Dang. What's that? Moonlighting. Moonlighting. What did I say? Not to be confused with Moonlight. Oh, right. <laughs> Moonlighting, which was a, a comedy. You know, that's it was when he did uh, Die Hard. That was really his crossover moment. So it's like him his kind pro- of coming back to doing comedy. Oh, and blind, it's,
2: blind Date. That blind was the one Blind Date. He did. That was Before another that. comedy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I feel like it's such a shame that he's kind of been stuck in the, you know, more of the action-y movies and, and i mean obviously he's done other things like the sixth sense and uh you know the other like m night shyamalan moonrise kingdom in moonrise like, kingdom yeah and it's like it, his his role in moonrise kingdom is kind of similar to Ernest menville it's like you know it's a quirky and comedic without being overtly funny role now and now and as good as bruce willis is in
2: this i'm sure John, you probably also read this. Uh, Kevin Klein was originally yeah. cast as Dr. Ernest Menville. And as good as Bruce Willis is, I'm like, I want the Klein cut. I want to see. <laughs> I'm imagining like Kevin, like early 90s Kevin Klein. Like, this is like in the same era as soap dish I'm imagining yeah. soap dish Eric Kevin Klein he's so good as Dr. Menville and I'm like oh my
0: God like well you know he would have played it uh, oh, a little bit more broad um I think that he would have been a little bit more cartoonish in a good way he w- I think he w- I think it would have been very I think it would
2: have been very close to soap dish I think he would have played it more physical. Yes. Yeah, it would have been a, a but I think like it, it wouldn't have been as what's interesting about watching Bruce Willis do it is it's it's incongruous. Like it Bruce Willis doesn't quite fit, but it's like he's good at it. Yeah. So like I thought he was great. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I it's an interesting performance, but I keep thinking I'm like, oh, my God, Kevin Kline would be so much funnier. In yeah. this, and I even thought about and and thinking about Bruce Willis uh thinking about like Kurt Russell, who we talked about on Tango and Cash episode being someone who kind of he can go back and forth between the you know action roles and non action roles, you know- and Kurt Russell, obviously the
0: connection to Goldie Hawn, um yeah. I don't know if I, I could I, see him playing like a dweeb the way that Ernest is. He um, doesn't it, it, he it's yeah, that's the thing like he can do it. He like
2: I think in Big Trouble Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. he has that part where he does like it, but
0: it's right. It's he does not, his like nerd
2: voice. He can't swing In that direction, as far as Bruce Willis can.
0: No, no. I mean, I think that when he takes his comedic turns, it's something more like Captain Ron, where, you know, it's just a a cartoonish character in real life.
2: Captain Ron is kind of like, you know, Snake Pliskin's like I, I don't know. He's like the Chet Hanks to Snake Pliskin's Colin, <laughs> if you will. Oh man, Captain uh, Ron had had more than a few white boy summers.
0: <laughs> I I would hope that Colin Hanks would feel very honored to be put in the same category as Snake Pliskin. Um, well, if they ever remake.
2: No, no, I'm just kidding. Colin Hanks would not be... No offense to Colin Hanks, um, but he would not be my first choice as Snake Liskin.
0: Anyway. Yeah, so uh, I think that Bruce Willis is great. Isabella Rossellini is amazing. Um, Talking about Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, the two of them, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, they're so fantastic together. It's upsetting to me that um, Meryl Streep had such a... Not great time on the set of this movie, you know, dealing with all the visual effects stuff and not really vibing with um, Robert Zemeckis so much. But I think that the end product, you know, it's really it's it still holds up. It's a lot of fun to watch, you know, when she's got her head on backwards and is trying to walk around and sit down. It's so much fun. And yeah. All right. Meryl Streep
2: has earned every bit of praise yeah. she gets meryl streep and she the scene when she's backstage after that musical where everybody's getting up in the middle of it i love that opening yeah. um and uh, uh you know of course it's a musical adaptation of sweet bird of youth which is about a, a fading aging movie star and and this yeah. movie by the way also has a major sunset boulevard vibe oh totally with it and uh I love when she's getting ready because Helen and, and Ernest are waiting to meet her and, and she's just like the little th- adjustments that she's making in, in practicing her expressions, her, her, her surprise expression. It's so good. I mean, God damn, she does comedy yeah, so amazingly well. And mm-hmm. I believe that's her doing her own singing
0: yeah, she sings "Mamma Mia," yeah. hello.
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: God, What? What can't she do? Uh, <laughs> Seriously, I, and and Goldie Hawn, I well. really thriving in the um, in the in the comedic performances, and, and you know, having to go through a lot of different phases in this character's life. You know, kind of like the the mousy nobody, and then the psychotic. Um, you know, eating from a can of frosting, thinking about killing her former friend, and this is—I I just want to pause here for
2: a moment because this is also a segment in the movie that I feel like does not age well. And I know, like, we'll get to the discussion of of you know remakes and reboots and everything, and I don't think this really fits into that discussion. But it's typical of movies. Into the early 90s, and I'd been thinking of other comedies like, like the Dream Team, which I enjoy. Um, but crazy people, I think the Mm -hmm. treatment of mental illness. Oh, totally. Is was so much broader then. And I, um, you know, and watching it, I just had to kind of have a moment where I was checking myself and just saying, like, okay, this. First of all, this is a, this is not a realistic movie. This is a yeah. cartoonish movie and it plays on stereotypes and it kind of plays on these things. So it didn't necessarily like bother me or take me out, but it was just kind of a checkpoint for me.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And also, you know, when they have somebody who is, famously, you know, svelte in a fat suit, Um, I, you know, it, it's, it doesn't sit well with the times now. And, you know, it's kind of like a cheap joke. I think that the time when it's worked the best was like in uh, um, Avengers Endgame with Thor, where it's just like he's, he's just, Drinking beer all the time and not well, doing yeah. anything like that. It works there because it's not the fact that he's overweight. That's the joke. It's the fact that, you know, he's drunk all the time and playing video games and yeah, it's yeah, done. He doesn't give Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
2: and and you also know like he's going to bounce back. Like you know, like all of a sudden, you know, cut to the next scene, the six pack is back, and
0: well, no, it's not. He's he's big the entire movie, but he still kicks ass. I, yeah, I, I mean, whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, exactly. That is absolutely fine because that's not the if joke. He, it would I would have a problem with it if he all of a sudden did have the like. 15 pack or whatever it is you know it's like he still manages to like do awesome things with the gut
2: of course we can all do awesome things with a gut <laughs> you and i are doing it right now oh it's happening it's happening all right so anyway back to death becomes her what i love also is and this is something that i did not pick up on then but now it just is very blunt and obvious but the mad hell Hell, yeah uh yeah and it's uh, earn earn mad earn hell
0: yeah yeah yeah. so um yeah the the names are very specific yeah and and it's and so just uh, going back to uh bruce willis's character for just a second so he was this like famed plastic surgeon and then uh, he uh, starts drinking constantly and his hands shake nonstop so the only work he can get is as you know you know making up dead bodies he's he's the Jamie Lee Curtis in My Girl of Death becomes her <laughs> but on a much larger scale where he's like renowned for the way that he makes these you know Hollywood uh, dead people look essentially and it's by doing that that he knows how to make dead bodies appear so vivacious which is what uh, Matt and Hell take advantage of and at the end of the movie they are just like busted beyond repair and are relying on the the tricks they learned from Ernest you know to spray paint you know and, and that's always kind of peeling off it's just gross Oh that that end
2: the the end with the two of them i mean well i don't know this is not a spoiler alert
0: but uh movie came when out in 92
2: yeah yeah they're at and they're at ernest's you know fu- funeral um you know after he dies of an, of old age yeah. um and like you know redeems his his legacy in fact nobody even knows about him before he he becomes like you know this philanthropist and, yeah humanitarian and yeah yeah they're like we don't know much about him before he met you know his wife at age 50 and
0: right in the whole and it's a, this whole thing about how he he learned the true meaning of immortality and that's to like leave a, a lasting impression and blah 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 so yeah yeah, yeah. so then the and two, the of, two, them two of them just, are cackling in the back yeah they're terrible they deserve oh. each other for eternity yeah <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. Um, so here's a quick clip of uh, when they realize that they're not going to have Ernest living forever to patch them up. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes.
1: Nothing. No. It's too late now. He got away. Damn. I told you we should have gone to the airport first. Oh, you said no such thing. Well, I knew he wasn't going to come back here. Well, you just have all the answers, don't ah, you? Look at this. I'm peeling. Oh. I'm peeling. Uh uh-huh Ernest is gone Uh we can't go back to Lisa's she specifically told us to take care of our bodies and look at us Uh we're dead Uh this is so embarrassing no no. you know what this is this is just simply a a question of uh, maintenance Mm -hmm. yeah this is upkeep we just have to be very very careful with ourselves we have to take care of each other Mm -hmm. I'll paint your ass you paint mine Who could have imagined yeah. you and me together, <laughs> depending on each other, <laughs> painting each other's asses, <laughs> day night. Oh, yeah. forever. forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so th- there. You know what? I, I know we were talking before about, you know, that that Meryl Streep had her her complaints and. I mean, this was really before, like right on the verge of Robert Zemeckis really going off, like the special X, special X, special effects, um, yeah. like Deep End. But, um, like I thought the visual effects in this were probably like the coolest I had seen since Terminator Two. Granted, it had been like a
0: year, yeah, but, yeah, right. Um, like <laughs> you know, when it was... ILM was doing the visual effects, and
2: it's cool. Yeah, and and getting back to Meryl, I. I can't help but think that, like, 2000s Meryl—I feel like this was still, like, trying to rack up the Oscar noms, Meryl. <laughs> and I feel like, like, 2000s Meryl would have—I don't think the performance would have necessarily been different, but I feel like she would have perhaps had more fun if she well, didn't— if. I wonder if she was just, like, kind of, like, standing there, like, in front of a green screen and and just being, like, this is not going to get me a nomination. (laughs) Like, I could be doing something with an accent right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, when we're talking about movies like Into the Woods or, uh, you know, she shows up in Mary Poppins Returns, another moment where she's singing. Uh, You know, it's these, like, crazy, wacky characters. And I feel like, you know... Her performances the past decade or so, she's really just been like saying, you know, screw it. I'm just going to like do some weird stuff and have fun, do some ABBA songs. I feel like she's like, yeah, this is what I feel like doing. This is what I'm going to do. It's
2: almost it's kind of like she's retired, but still but still working because she's just like, I don't have to give a shit if I want to play dress up. If I want to play 1900s dress up, I'm going to go. I'm going to knock on this set of Mary Poppins and say, I'm here. What do you got for me?
0: Yeah. And I mean, like then there's like, <laughs> that,
2: that know that's sort of a movie from last year. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But I know take that's her. not how it works, but I, I'm like, I wasn't, well, she still gets like,
2: not that the award I, I am. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that like awards and award nominations ever. I do not speak for Meryl Streep. I don't know <laughs> her feeling on it. Um, and I'm sure she probably just would have had a, a happy career being able to play the role she's played and not getting any nominations, but right. the fact is, like, <laughs> girl gets nominated for Oscars, yeah. and like that's she deserves what she them. does. She yeah. absolutely does, yeah, absolutely does. Can't and and but I like you know we're we're going Gaga here over Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. She's wonderful. I think of First Wives Club. I think like '90s Goldie Hawn. Oh yeah. I mean, 80s Goldie Hawn as well, and for that matter, 70s Goldie Hawn. But it's yeah. kind of like each – there's like each incarnation like like 70s Goldie Hawn. I think of like Sugarland Express mm-hmm. mostly. And then 80s, it's very much this like – whether it's like something like Overboard, Overboard. or Wildcats, um, you know, where she's kind of doing that like I've got responsibilities – but uh-huh. I'm going to do my thing. Like I'm going to go like protocol. I think is another one from that era and uh,
0: bird on a wire. the first wire, ticket right? stub I ever collected. Well, I mean, if we're talking early eighties, <laughs> we yeah, private Benjamin, private you ben know, Benjamin, certainly an interesting performance there is another one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean like Goldie Hawn's fantastic. And, uh, I, am trying to think of any of, of what she's been doing recently other than
0: the, not much. Like, There's those Christmas Chronicle movies that she does with Kurt with, yeah, she was in that movie snatched with Amy Schumer. Um, but aside oh, from right. that, there really hasn't been much. Uh, she did like the banger sisters, like, but that's several like 20 20 years, years ago. Yeah. With Susan Sarandon. I like Mm -hmm. the Banger
2: sisters. I thought that was a good movie.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. She, she doesn't, she clearly doesn't feel the need to just like keep on doing stuff to keep on doing stuff. I'm just, I'm, I'm going off
2: because I also, I was thinking after I watched, you know, as I was, as I was finishing this watching Death Becomes Her, I was like, what a great double feature this would make with the Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. And I was thinking about just like the, all the, the those actresses, and I know like Michelle Pfeiffer has been um, has been working more recently. But I yeah. think about like friend Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Susan
0: Sarandon, Gina Davis. Um, so okay, you do a quadruple feature. I'm trying. I'm like, I want to see an Expendables of of like you of know the first ones. Uh, but like
2: yeah, like throw in fuck it, throw in Bette Midler, Barbara Streisand. Oh, yeah. Barbra Streisand, for sure. I mean, why not? Like, that's because you think about Barbra. I mean, think about Barbra Streisand, Prince of Tides. Yeah. was I mean, she, you know, she didn't do as much, but like, you know, nuts.
0: Yeah. With Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about this movie and thinking about the the mark that it's made, because yeah, you know, it opened number one at the box office. It's... It certainly suffered a bit from being overly cut down. You kind of lose a lot of the, I don't know, I'm, I'm, Tracy I'm, Ullman. You lost. You Tracy lose Ullman. Tracy Ullman. Which how do you get rid of Tracy Ullman? But also, this movie has done something that uh, the first Wives Club also did: is that it's been a kind of a uh, a a big movie in the drag community. Very much so. Yeah, so I uh, I don't know as much about that. I, I've seen some articles about how it's really had a, a, a second life in the drag community, which I think is is wonderful. I mean, who who doesn't love uh, something talking about uh, vanity and appearance more than the, the drag community?
2: Well, yeah, and I mean, and about also just about like tying that and feeling like. I need to be like this is, you know, in a sense, if you look at it from the perspectives of these characters, they're like, I need to be who I am. This is who I am. And, um, you know, especially for a character like Helen, who, you know, hell, you know, who comes out of hell. She she comes out of um you know in the obsession yeah i think the the obsession aspect of it and um but i i do think i think like that you know that that's a li- that can be a little off putting but the there is also that moment where they realize like he's not like he's just a tool <laughs> like, yeah almost literally he he's just he's a tool he's here to to service us and they finally like they realize i think that's when they kind of like really come together and when they're like we don't care about him as a person no (laughs) like we just care about his skill and he's someone that we both know that can that like that's his one skill that's his right. one thing. And it's funny because um I was thinking about how he doesn't drink the potion. Yeah. There's also that moment earlier when they they try to kill him. Um Yeah. Or they yeah, they try or they try to knock him well, out the, with the the
0: drink, and that's oh, when yeah. he decides
2: to stop drinking to and stop he pours the, the drink out. So
0: And as we learned at his funeral, they um he has a an AA he has set up an AA situation and that'll yeah, be part yeah. of his legacy. So, um, um but, but also what he- one of the other things about him is not just that he was a tool, but up until that point, he was extremely loyal and, uh, was, you know, completely castrated in servitude of either one of these women. And, he was just completely helpless. And yeah, maybe it was the alcohol that kind of kept him tied down, but uh, certainly comes out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: um it's it's a great moment for him and uh also just to bring it back I wanted to actually cite a great article I I, I read about the the legacy of death becomes her in uh the lgbtq plus communities yes. particularly uh the drag community and um it's a vanity Fair article by Christy Puchko. I I I
0: What an appropriate uh, appropriately titled magazine to be covering something about Death Becomes Her. Well, yes, I mean, that it just
2: it makes sense. Um, And it was published in the on the 25th anniversary of the movie coming out. So it's from August uh, 2017. And um, it. It definitely outlined like, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, drag queens who, um, you know, are known from being on shows like, you know, uh, Drag Race um, and, you know, are basically professional models. They, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like they cite this movie as something that kind of calls out to them and says, like, you're not an outcast. You can take control. You can take the the power. And you don't like own if, me, maybe? Hello, yeah, First Wives Club? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. This pairs wonderfully with First Wives Club. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, it just it, it goes to show it's like, why is it not old news that, um, you know, women can headline, uh, you know, and carry – a uh, you know a, a classic you know blockbuster yeah because you've got you've got first wives club you've got death becomes her you you've got nine to five i mean like uh,
0: these are all you know legit classics i think uh, i i agree we're talking about them right now anyway so, so yeah. they're legit classics but do
2: we, is there, is there life after
0: Death Becomes Her? Ooh, well, there, there have been rumors. Well, first of all, there, there's, I think a Kristen Chenoweth musical that I, I don't think that it actually has happened unless, no, it as of I think 20... it was maybe announced in 2017, but it
2: was, um, Playbill, uh, on December 13th 2017 um announced it that it's, it was in the works there was not uh, a team working on of course the original screenplay written by david Kep, who wrote um a jurassic park uh screenplay also um i don't know like if it made a lot of money in the 90s he oh probably yeah we talked about
0: it. him at length during one episode i can't remember which yeah. one
2: yeah Um, and Martin Donovan, I don't think the, the actor Martin Donovan, though I may be mistaken.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So also there has been a rumor and, and this is as of, um, August of last year, there was a rumor that there was going to be a remake, uh, that would star, I want to say, and yeah, Anne Hathaway, Robert Downey Jr. And, um, Lady Gaga, as in the uh, Isabella Rossellini role. Kate Hudson, clearly. um, Taking
2: over for her mother. Yeah.
0: So, as far as I can tell, this is all just rumors, not rumors, but uh, would be interesting. I mean, here's something from Entertainment Weekly that was around that same time where it's just kind of... Echoing that rumor, but saying, like, there's nothing to prove that this is actually true, but maybe, you it, know, who knows? It was
2: something. Uh, so I saw it on uh, cheat sheet.com.
0: That's, yeah, uh, I saw that too.
2: Yeah. And basically, yeah, they were like, there's no evidence that this is anything other than just like, basically, like, us. us if if someone heard us like and they only heard this part and they're like wait a second there's going to be a remake with RDJ Anne Hathaway and Kate Hudson
0: what yeah. Romney Downey Jr field <laughs> what see the thing is like and just to talk about that for a second i think that Lady Gaga and the Isabella Rossellini role would be great um yes. i think that Anne Hathaway would be very good in that role but i don't know if i don't know she still plays so young in my mind that i don't know if i would so buy it yeah um and kate hudson i just don't think is at that i don't know she's just not quite there for this you know
2: yeah. Um and it was funny because before I read about that I was thinking of a remake and I was just like, okay, who are the first people that, that come to mind if I was recasting these roles? And honestly, the first three names that came up were Emma Stone, Blake Lively, and Jonah Hill.
0: I was just thinking Blake Lively and I don't know why. Um I think I was thinking about her role in A Simple Favor, where, you know, it's kind of this like weird thrillomedy. To quote the poster for Arachnophobia. And, uh, I, you know, I, and she's very good. I don't know if she's quite at that level. You know, it's like we don't have the the age of like Meryl, the Meryl Streep. And I don't mean the age age. I mean, the era of like a Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn uh, the, that type of persona, the Barbara Streisands, the <laughs> Bette Midler. Meryl Streepy Goldie
2: Hawny. Meryl Streepy Sorry, I'm Goldie Hawny. of Kathy
0: Najimi in uh um Fisher King. In Fisher <laughs> King, yeah. Oh my God. That is so funny. Sorry.
2: Um yeah, no, no, no. I totally I get what you're saying. So I oh, so then what if you went like the Kate Blanchett. Sandra
0: Bullock, like the Kate Ocean's Blanchett 8 cast.
2: Blanchett. Oh shit. Well like Kate, I would almost want to see like Helena Bonham Carter, Kate Ocean's Blanchett. Eight? Yeah, I mean, yes. Basically, I am <laughs> I am mixing and matching in the Ocean's 8 cast because Rihanna yes, as
0: the uh, Isabella Rossellini character.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um or Aquafina, if you want to go in a different direction.
0: Aquafina would be the doctor, the Sydney
2: Pollock character. Oh my God. And thank you. I'm glad we came back to Sydney Pollock because Sydney Pollock is so good.
0: In yeah, scene. let's listen to a bit of that scene. I
1: love oh, it. I fell down the stairs.
0: Whoopsie.
1: <laughs> Anything broken? I don't think so. I mean, it would hurt, wouldn't it? Well, I should think so, yeah. Maybe my wrist, I don't know, but my neck feels sort of sore. Right. Well, let's have a little look at you here. Which wrist is it? Right. Uh, does it hurt when I do this? No. Doesn't? Mm-mm. How about this? Yep. Nope. Um, okay. This? Mm, no. Mm-mm. This doesn't hurt? Mm-mm. no. He's bending her hand all the way back. Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when That's I do this. this? It doesn't hurt. I told you that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. What's this? Uh, what's this you're talking about with your neck? <laughs> well, what's with your neck, first huh? when I kind of turn it, you know. Maybe you. Maybe you just. Do... Oh. Okay. Right. I see. Uh, gotcha. Oh. Shock. What about shock? Could maybe be. you should. It could be shock. Check could for be. shock. Could be shock.
2: He's testing the stethoscope, making sure it works, because he is not getting a heartbeat.
1: <laughs>
2: Gets a bigger well, stethoscope.
1: What is it? What's the matter?
2: It's, uh, well, it's interesting.
1: It's, uh, <laughs> okie-dokie. I think that just about uh, covers it. Uh, I wonder if I might have him sip it out. Yes, There's of course. Well, I tell you what, kids. Uh, we this uh, kind of odd thing here. You, your wrist, as far as I can tell, is uh, it's fractured in three places, and uh, you've shattered uh, two vertebrae. Cause I, I can't really be certain without an X-ray, but uh, the, the bone protrusion through the skin that that's not a good sign. And uh, <laughs> your body temperature's below eighty, and your 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 your, your heart's stopped beating. what the hell does that mean exactly exactly <laughs> what i think i'm gonna get a second doctor <laughs> well it could be worse i'm examine you myself no. oh, sit still me. don't touch me oh my god that's right he is not right don't be ridiculous this what is incredible mean if you were right you're in violation of every natural law that i know I I, I violated what law? In violation of every natural law that I know. You're sitting there. You're talking to me.
0: But you're dead. I'm going to get help. You're in violation.
2: He sees dead people. Yes. Um, But fortunately, everybody else does, too. Um, So, wow. I love that line. It's one of those, like... I, I, I have not rewatched the trailer, but I'd be shocked if that line oh, yeah. wasn't in there. You're in violation of every known yeah. law. Yeah, every I, I have it written yeah. down. Somewhere.
0: Uh, and then after this, he goes and sees that all the doctors are tending to Sidney Pollack, who's like having a heart attack. Oh, how <laughs>
2: brilliant. Sidney Pollack, he plays it. It's like he plays it so straight and there's such a build and Meryl Streep. I mean, again, is amazing in this scene when he's bending her hand all the way back and she's like, it doesn't hurt. She's got the thermometer sticking out of yeah. her mouth. Like they're playing it so straight there pl- that it's so funny. That's, I mean, when God, Sidney Pollock shows comedy. up in
0: things <laughs> for these like small roles, like in Tootsie and stuff like that, like he always stands out. He's in there just enough. He gives you exactly what you need and he's out of there. Yep. I mean, literally,
2: he, well, not literally, but he, yeah, he dies. So, yeah.
0: well, well, that's, true. um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, such a, such a great scene. Yeah. So, so, all right. Going back to, you know, what we were talking about before with bringing this movie back, Dan, like, what would you do? I mean, we, I know we were kind of joking a little bit about the cat, the cast of Ocean's Eight, but like, well, that's just the okay. recast.
2: Yeah. Okay. So first of all, first I was thinking about the musical because obviously, uh, it, it makes a good choice. Of course, you then you kind of have to work around, like you you have to kind of think about, all right, how essential are the visual effects? And answer, no, I I think you can do this and keep what has kept this movie alive. I think it's like the characters, I think the performances, I think you have to get, and this is where the casting comes in. I think Kristen Chenoweth is a fantastic choice, but not as Madeline. Uh, Rather, I mean, like, I'm all for stunt casting and in Broadway, especially when you can reunite uh, famous stage teams. And I'm referring, of course, to Adina Menzel, um, uh, known to John Travolta as Adele Nazim. And Adele uh, Dazim. Dazim, apologies. The Um, one and only
0: Adele (laughs) (laughs) Dazim.
2: And Kristen Chenoweth, I would put Kristen Chenoweth as Helen and Adina Menzel as Madeline. And just, like, let them go. I mean, shit, make the scenery edible because they are going to have to chew it yeah. all up. And, I I mean, you know, on Broadway, you can do a lot more with, you know, between with the lighting and with the, the acting. Like, you, I don't think the special effects are going to matter as much. And I'm imagining the two of them, like imagine a musical number, like, you know, you paint my ass and I'll paint yours, you know, um, like something like that, I think would be a lot of fun. So I would love to see the musical. Um, it would be interesting to make, to remake it as a movie and perhaps remake and adapt it into a musical movie, um, you know, kind of like again with John Travolta, Hairspray, um, but maybe even skipping that Broadway stage literally and, um, Mm -hmm. figuratively. Uh, and so I was thinking about, and I was also thinking about putting it on stage, um, but with like drag performers, in the roles, and I mean, like, I'm not talking about like an off Broadway French. I mean, like on Broadway, uh-huh. um, you know, perhaps on film with drag performers. And I would love to see what John Cameron Mitchell would do yeah. with it, either on stage or
0: on or on film. And I mean, John yes, Cameron I'm Mitchell, that, who gave us Hedwig, yeah, famously, John, Cameron. amongst many John- other things,
2: yes. Um, but I'm really I'm thinking about someone who both knows who knows theater who knows film who knows drag and who's going to be like an acceptable choice like i yeah. like rob marshall would not be my mm-hmm. you know uh rob marshall would probably be the next name on my list and that's not close i feel far, like
0: yeah.
2: i would i would really be interested to hear john cameron mitchell's thoughts on it um i feel like a remake with you know act like you know yes with the oceans eight cast why not uh uh, and i don't know who you'd put in for uh you know put in edward norton uh in in the bruce willis role yeah (laughs) um i i don't know well i like whatever i like edward norton he's
0: great um also in moonrise kingdom yeah exactly
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who isn't? Kate, was Kate Blanchett in Moonrise Kingdom? Or she's also in the Wes Anderson universe.
0: No, Tilda <laughs> Swinton is in. Oh, right. Yeah, Moonrise Tilda, Kingdom. I Tilda think in the Swinton. role that Kate Blanchett would have been in. Probably. I mean, Kate Blanchett's she in was Life in Aquatic. Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Probably if she's in Isle it. of Dogs and Meryl Streep is in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We could, Anyway. So,
2: I mean. <laughs> I don't know shit maybe Wes Anderson should remake it or the other idea I had is what if you did a you could do a prequel and you would kind of I I don't know that I don't know that it would be worth it because what makes this movie work are these characters and how are you going to like what's the point of doing a prequel if you're only just going to do like a half-baked remake where it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like different casting or it's, you know,
0: okay. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what you would do what for I, a prequel because that's is where your my idea? mind went. Yeah. Okay. So, great. All right. We know that Liesl is actually 71 years old. So yes. she would have taken the potion in 1920. <gasps> What? Would you do like an interview at the vampire type deal with this because <laughs> no I, I i mean i don't i don't think so i think that there would be you know there is an unavoidable vampire you know connection to be made because you know in order to be a vampire and stay a vampire i think that there's some you know part of it does involve creating new ones but
2: do they ever establish what they're drinking in this? Like with
0: no, the potion? but that's what I'm talking about. Okay, all right, John, that, take it away. Is that there is this this woman who is you know it's 1920, and uh, I think that there must there has to be some sort of like deal with the devil or something. You know, it's like somebody and and the thing is like I wouldn't want it to be marketed necessarily as a death becomes her prequel where it's like its own movie but you can make the connection if you're just if you know this movie you'll be like Liesel von Rumen that name you know, like, and, and you'd have to find wow. somebody who who resembles Isabella Rossellini, obviously. But also, it's like, but the the deal is, in order for your youth to to remain, you have to get more people to take this potion. And what they don't know is that their their souls are tethered to the devil or something like that. Um, but there's a there's got to be a reason why she's. Getting people to drink this potion. I mean, yes, she's getting a lot of money from it, but that house that she has can't be cheap. So I wonder if it's like every, cause it's like 10 years. It's like you
2: get 10 years where y- you get to like be out in public and then 10 years you have to fake your death. So I wonder if like if she gets like 10 years. Oh, what was I just thinking of? You could tie it into like the Spanish flu pandemic and. Huh maybe like this is how she's could she's be. spared if you're going to put it in um in 19 in like 1920 or 1920 yeah, terms around. yeah it it ended in april it ended in 420 april 1920 um so that that was the i guess that was the declared end of the um
0: 1918 influenza pandemic right yes interesting could do something with that but that's just where my mind went because like i wouldn't want this movie to be remade part of what makes it special are meryl streep and goldie hahn like and to a a certain extent bruce willis also but it's like you can't do it without them somehow being involved and let's face it meryl streep's not going to want to do anything with this movie she didn't You know, but what if they produced, what if they produced the the Broadway? I mean, like Broadway is going to
2: need some benefactors to come back strong and they're going to need some, like, we're going to need some big shows. So I think fucking Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth in Death Becomes her because as we've seen with the producers, and it didn't work when the for the producers on film but uh-huh. as we've seen with the producers and in fact with uh hairspray as well uh when it first debuted on Broadway with Harvey Fires I think it was Harvey Firestein okay. who took over the role for divine of uh the mother in, in Edna uh, yeah. Turnblad in Hairspray um so John Waters again shout out maybe like you know what if like what if Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn produced this this Broadway version. I think Adina Menzel, Kristen Chenoweth, that's your your big names. And I think that um, as I was talking about with those other film-to-Broadway adaptations, that's how you can put other actors in those roles without really having... You've got some... Basis of comparison, like someone who's really familiar with the Mel Brooks film, The Producers, when they see the the Broadway show, you know you're not going to get Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder. At least one of them was dead by the time yeah. that show um, premiered but there's also like not as much of an expectation because you know, you're going to get something different. There's songs. There are, um, you know, it's why even like, it needs to be a musical adaptation because even just a staged. T- speaking of Bruce Willis, speaking, um, a, a stage adaptation of a film, which was an adaptation of a book misery. Mm-hmm. I would imagine really failed. Because, I mean, first of all, how do you do it without James Caan? He's the master. But um, (laughs) Or Kathy Bates, who can define that role. Yeah. And I'm not saying they should have done it as a musical. I'm saying they shouldn't have done it at all. But when you present it as a straight version, you're presenting, it's like the same thing. So you're expecting something even closer. It's why I felt The Graduate on Broadway didn't quite click. Mm-hmm. In its form, had it been a musical, it would have been a little easier to accept somebody else in the iconic roles of Benjamin and and Mrs. Braddock and
0: even. Yeah, Elaine. I, and here's a here's an area where you certainly are more familiar with that world than I am. So I you know, you know, better to to make these judgments than I would. So about what? So, <laughs> Oh, to say that something would work maybe better as a musical than it would oh, just as a straight I mean drama.
2: I do have a bachelor's degree in theater arts from Rutgers University, so no big deal. when John says I'm qualified, he knows what he's talking about. So you know, <laughs> NBD, man. I think honestly, I think it would be a it would be awesome, and you could still hello, you could still cast Lady Gaga. Yeah. Who by far, uh, you know, that is that's an amazing casting choice. And I wouldn't want to waste that casting choice. And like, let's put Lady Gaga. If she in was down movies. to do it. That'd be great. Oh, she'd be so. Although, you know, who would be a great second choice? Erica Badu. Oh, I'm thinking of um, uh, what men want. That's right. I was like, what was she in? Where she was like a spiritual similar yeah. type of character, yeah. In what men want. So I'm thinking like she Erica was oh Wh- good by she was ridiculous in that. That was a fun movie, though.
0: <laughs> okay, you just uh reminded me of something that I noticed when I was looking at, I think I was scrolling through stars last night, the stars app. And, um, cause I tried to, uh, cancel my subscription and they were just like, Hey, how about like six months for like a dollar a month? And I was like, well, how can I say no to that? And, um, oh. yeah, stars, they never want wow. you to, to stop subscribing. They will do whatever. So, uh, I noticed that there was a documentary called, <clears throat> I wasn't just clearing my throat for dramatic effect. I just needed to, <laughs> a documentary called, the Black Full Monty, which was about have you heard of this? I saw it. I
2: had it on my notes i for like a couple of episodes ago to bring up as a one more thing, and it didn't happen. I think it was like the Gabris episode. I had it uh-huh. in my notes,
0: and then I was like, "I'm not going to interrupt
2: Gabrus to bring up the Black Full Monty.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but I, I just I just saw it last night as I was scrolling through, and um, I, and so I was glad. like. I was like, "Oh my god, I and that's just to go along with the idea that the uh the term the full monty has transcended its original meaning to now mean in the buff." I, and it's a rea- it's like a documentary, right? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, it it's similar to something that we would propose uh yeah. on this uh
0: yeah, totally. So on this anyway, podcast here, yeah. Anyway, um, I think that that we've got some good ideas there. None of these are going to happen. We'll. I mean, who knows? We'll see well, if you're musical, listening. The musical the, still could happen. I mean, Broadway just. I, I mean, I think I heard that it's going to be reopening in the in the near future.
2: Here's what I would like to see happen. Ideally, I would like to see the um, wealthiest of celebrities kind of divide and conquer where some of them take care of buying all of the the closing cinemas um, in California. And then the others focus on building Broadway back up. So and Meryl Goldie, can we put you down for <laughs> um, A Death Becomes Her remake? We'll see. Can we? We'll see. Let us know. Email us, Meryl Goldie, anyone else who wants to go in on this. um, Hit us up, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. You could visit us on Instagram at ruinedchildhoodspod.
0: Uh, Yeah, we'll have links to everything in this episode's description. We set up a link tree. So if you go to. Oh, yes, we have a link tree. uh, L I N K T R dot E E slash ruinedchildhoods. It brings you all of the ways that you can. Uh, get in touch with us and buy our merch oh, and yes. so on and All so forth. Nice. Many paths to explore. Yeah. Dan,
2: do universe. you want to let everyone
0: know what we're going to be doing on the next episode that will be released on May 4th?
2: Yes. So, and that build up would lead you to believe that it's Star Wars. But no, this is a longer standing series, a longer standing Much franchise, more. and... Something that has not been revisited as recently, so we'll we'll look into the past, present, and speculate about the future of Zorro.
0: That was that was <laughs> me the making the Z.
2: <laughs> yeah, with the I, sword. I,
0: I'm looking forward to it, and uh, because there are so many properties to cover in the Zorro verse Dan and I are going to be splitting up, uh, w- which ones we're all going to watch because there are a lot of them are available on streaming platforms and there are certainly going to be ones that we're not going to have time to cut co- to, to check out, but there's so many yeah. different incarnations of, of, of Zorro Don Diego. Yeah. Don so Diego. I, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, And uh, I don't have a a clever travel uh, phrase to attach this to, but Dan, I'm just going to wish you a straight-up good journey.
2: Yes, John, a good journey to you as well.